Judge me, O God, and please my God, plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yes, upon the heart will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And we just trust the Lord to bless his word to our heart this morning. It's an illustration I think I've used it before, uh, a guy called John Lawrence uh, uses. And he talks about the devil. And the devil decides to have a sale of all the tools that he uses to bring down man, to destroy man, to take man away from God. And he put these tools that he uses on display, pride, lying, doubt, jealousy, Envy, hatred, discord, disunity. He had them all nicely lined up. And then away to one side, he had another one of his tools that he used. And it was set on its own. And all pride and doubt and lying, etc., they were all one particular price. But this one which was set out on its own was so expensive that no man could afford it. And so the devil was asked, why have you put a very high price on this tool that you use to destroy men. And the devil said, this is my greatest tool. And that's why I've priced it so high. It's more useful to me than all the others put together, he replied. Because I can get inside a person's head, I can get inside a person's heart with it, and they don't even know that it comes from me. And once embedded in there, I can do what I want. And that tool was discouragement. You see, the devil's price for discouragement was so high that he didn't want to sell it because he's seen it as his greatest tool. And as we read this psalm, we see the psalmist this morning discouraged, starts off being discouraged. His emotions were in turmoil. He sought deliverance from an ungodly enemy all around him. David in his life maybe thought, you, get, you finish one trouble and another one comes to the door. And he seemed to be never free from those who tried to attack him, tried to murder him, tried to, uh, uh, even his son tried to replace him as king. And it seems that David, like the rest of us, he's human. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart, but he had his human emotions. And here we see him that he couldn't understand how this evil enemy was oppressing him. As a servant of the Lord, why am I getting no relief? What is wrong? He, he then challenges God, and you know something, there's nothing wrong with challenging God because then God knows our emotion and God can, can help us. And so David said, judge me. And that's quite a thing to do, to stand before God and say, judge me. But he said, judge me. He asked, have I done wrong? Have I done wrong? David wanted to know the reason for his suffering and in his own mind, and his own discouraged spirit. He was looking for the reason. 
Was he being judged? Was he being punished? Was it a wrongdoing he did? Was it something evil that he did and has not acknowledged it before God? And he gets to a point where he pleads with God and he pleads with the Lord to deliver him from this deceitfulness in his life, to strengthen him again and to draw that he might draw nearer to the Lord. He asks the Lord, and again, there's nothing wrong with talking to God. He wants us to converse with him. But he, he's saying, Lord, enlighten me. Show me. Lead me into your presence. You see, we see the psalm opened with a worried man. But the good thing is, when you do talk to God, we see the psalm ending with a man praying unto the Lord. Praying unto the Lord. I call it a mirror prayer. He said... <clears throat> Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? That was his opening phrase. And we see him beginning to challenge himself. And then he said, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And as he talked to God, he began to look at himself and not others to blame his bad fortunes on. He began to look at himself. Why, David, are you cast down? Why are you disquieted? Why are you, you, why are you so cast down in your soul? You can even say to himself, come on, David, catch yourself on. Praise God. We looked uh, at the Bible and mental health, and one of the things we said was that the worst person you can talk to when you're emotionally hurt or discouraged or whatever is yourself. It's yourself because you're so negative. And negativity leads to negativity. And it's only when we challenge that negativity then we can see the positivity in our lives. And this is, I think, is what David's doing. Come on, David. You come to a point and say, hold on, enough is enough. For my hope is in God. He said, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. You know, God is the health of our countenance. He is a lifter of our head. And do you ever see someone who's a bit low and a bit down and they're walking with the head down? Well, David isn't saying here, and we'd all love it, Lord, just we magic wave of your hand there and take away all my troubles. But what David is saying is that God comes into our hearts and encourages us. The devil's greatest tool is discouragement. God's greatest tool is encouragement. And David was encouraging himself in the Lord, saying enough, not listening to the negativity. And as, as he thought on the, of the things of God, he began to lift his head. He began to feel better. He began to challenge the negativity in his life. And most of all, David acknowledged that he is our God and he is in control. And you know, when I look at this psalm, as I sort of began to get a few thoughts on it, I asked questions. That's the best thing to do when you're trying to find something from Scripture. Ask a few questions. And I asked, okay, what changed David? What really changed David from a disquieted, cast down, discouraged soul to an encouraged, blessed soul? And I believe his change came about in verse 4. For he said, Then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. 
See, then will I go to the altar of my God. Is God the last place we go to? It seems it wasn't the first place that David went to here. But when he came to find in his mind that he was just getting nowhere, because all he could see was this one doesn't want me, this one's trying to get rid of me, this one's my own son here, he's trying to replace me. All these things, and then he, he just couldn't, he had to go before the Lord. He went to the altar. And you know, the altar is a place of sacrifice. The definition is a raised structure upon which sacrifices were offered or incense burned. And it was man's simplest and earliest effort to give an outward expression of faith in God. The desire to serve God and to make sacrifice to him for sin. It wasn't that they went to the altar and they worshipped the altar. It's where they put their sacrifice. They didn't worship inanimate objects. They went to the altar to give sacrifices unto God. In the Levitical system in Solomon's temple, the altar was the center of daily activity, without which the rest of Israel's worship would not have been able to take place. The, the altar was, the, sorry, there was the altar of burnt offering which stood in the court outside the tent housing the holy place and the most holy place. And on this altar, twice a day, sacrifices and daily offerings were made, signifying that each day Israel was to begin the day and to close the day with gifts of worship and praise to God. The altar is a type of Christ, the altar of burnt offering, of Christ on the cross, where he offered himself as a pure offering unto God on behalf of sinners. And this altar, when the, offer, the offerings were being made, when, when they were made, the priest would then move inside the tent. And it says, I shall make an altar to burn incense upon it. And then we had the altar of incense. And the altar of incense stood in the holy place, before the holy of holies. So he had been standing at this altar, and he would have been separated from the holy of holies by the veil. And the, according to law, only the priests who were descended from Aaron could offer incense on this. In Leviticus 2 and 2, it says, And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour of the oil thereof with all the frankincense, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And so the priest offered this holy incense morning and evening on the altar of incense in front of the veil in the holy place. And he would have tried to direct this incense towards the veil. In other words, he was giving the praise. It was all going towards the Lord. And he had been standing between the two golden uh, candlesticks and the shoe bread, table of shoe bread. The incense that was burnt in this altar was a special incense. Apparently at this time, some wealthy individuals tempted, were tempted to make their own private uh, stuff for their own personal use, but it was unacceptable to God. No other preparation could be used as incense, nor could anyone but the high priest offer it. The incense was offered as a symbol of prayer. And you know, when we look at the Lord, many people try to come to the Lord. 
and try their own way, just as these men who tried to make their own incense and make it acceptable to God, but it was unacceptable to God. And as we approach the, the, the altar, as we've left the altar of burnt offering, which spoke of the cross and spoke of Christ's death and the cross, that's how we can again approach into the holy place and indeed come into the holy of holies. The altar symbolized prayer to God, offering praise to God. And it's wonderful what the Lord said, that when they came to the altar, the Lord says, there will I meet with you. There will I meet with you. This altar was special. Also, atonement was made upon the horns of this altar once a year. When the high priest ministered at the altar, he could, he could not see the mercy seat because of the veil. But he looked towards it, and he directed his incense that way. He looked towards it. And direct, as I said, everything was directed towards the, the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, the place where the presence of God was, and no man at that time could enter. This teaches us that with our natural eyes, we cannot see the throne of grace. But in prayer and by faith, we can set ourselves before the Lord, before the Lord, direct our prayer to the Lord, and look up to the Lord. This altar typified the mediation sorry, of Christ our intercessor and a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto God. This sweet-smelling sacrifice. In other words, this was pleasant unto the Lord. And when we approach the Lord through the Lord Jesus Christ, it is pleasant unto the Lord. But many people try to approach the Lord their own way. They approach the Lord through their self-righteousness. They, approach their, they think they can approach the Lord through their, their giving, their charitableness. They think they can approach the Lord because they're a nice person and love everyone. There is one way that we can only approach the Lord. The, the priest could not come into the holy place until he had done the offering and the, offering of burnt, uh, the altar of burnt offering. Then he went in and he offered the sweet incense unto the Lord. There was a way. Our price was paid, the debt that we owed. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and therefore we can come in and we can offer our praise unto the Lord as a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto him. You know, when there the lamps were lit at the same time as the incense was offered, twice a day, morning and evening. And this tells us that his word is our light. Our guide and his word and prayer to him should be an integral part of our lives. Because when we read his word, it helps us to know his will. And when we pray, it helps us to seek his face. Morning and evening, they started their day praying unto the Lord. They ended their day praying unto the Lord. They started and ended using his word as their light, as, as their guide. And so should we today. And Ezekiel 41 and 22 talks about this altar. It says, the altar of wood was three cubits high, the length thereof two cubits, the corners thereof and the length thereof and the walls thereof were of wood. And he said unto me, this is the table that is before the Lord. So the measure here of uh, the altar of incense in Ezekiel's temple is double what was used in Exodus 30. And it was called there the altar of wood. 
Now in Ezekiel's time, the altar was inlaid with gold, but back before it wasn't. It was a wooden altar, so this meant that the sacrifice on this wooden altar could only be done once because obviously the wood burnt. And this again talks of Christ, the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. Christ does not have to continually go to the cross. His death is sufficient for the sins of mankind, of all mankind. Every person that ever lived, he bore their sins on the cross. And we can do, uh, sorry, we can neither add anything to it or take anything away from it, church. Christ's sacrifice was sufficient for the sins of mankind and for our sins. As I said, it wouldn't bear the, uh, the fire again because it was made of wood. And you know, it signifies also that in gospel times, the incense should be spiritual, the worship plain, and the service of God enlarged. The service of God enlarged. The altar there is also called a table. Therefore, the great sacrifice that was offered there that which we have to feast upon is what we did this morning. We were at the Lord's table. And again, God was honoring his word. He says, there I will meet with you. The Lord met with us this morning as we remembered his death on the cross. As I said, Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. You know, I'm not going to go into prophecy and all again, but this the thing that makes me wonder about people's knowledge of the Word of God when they're trying to rebuild this third temple and they're trying to, in fact, they are uh, getting all the tools ready to make sacrifices again. And major uh, TV evangelists and evangelists from all over the world are helping to fund this. And I think to myself, the sacrifice has been made. It no longer requires any animal sacrifices. Hallelujah. But we'll not go into prophecy. Our prayers through our intercessor, who is our uh, altar of burnt offering, they ascend before God's throne. They ascend before God's throne. And so when we have this in mind, we go back to Psalm 43. And it says, Then will I go to the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Upon the harp I will praise thee, O God, my God. You know, are you a disquieted, troubled soul this morning? Well, the Lord's saying, come to the altar of incense now. Let it teach you to start and end your day in prayer and praise and in God's word. Look this morning in faith unto him. Remember, David here speaks of something which would apply more to us in a sense. Because obviously Christ's sacrifice means we can come into the very holy of holies. But David said, O God, my God. You know, church, you have a personal relationship with the Lord through the Lord Jesus Christ. What an honor today to be able to say, my God. Do you know other religions, other pagan beliefs cannot say that? They cannot say that. But we can say he is my God, my Savior, my Redeemer, my God died on the cross for my sins. And this is an encouragement to us all, an encouragement to pray to the Lord, an encouragement that when the devil tries his old discouragement on us, we can turn to the Lord and we can say, oh God, my God. And if we have a hint of the word of God, we can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We can reject the devil. How did Jesus get rid of the devil when he tried to tempt him? He said, it is written. 
But you can't say it is written if you're not reading it in the first place. It is written, and we can say it. We can turn to God's Word. We can find sanctity in the presence of God. In 1 Kings 1 and 50, Adonijah, he went in and he held the horns of the altar to flee from, uh, uh, from Solomon. And this indeed, the altar used to be a place of refuge for those who had maybe killed somebody by mistake or something before the avenger could catch them. They could go in there and they could find refuge. They could find sanctity. We can find sanctity in the presence of God this morning. <clears throat> the horns of protection at the four corners of the altar to which the sacrifices were bound were tipped with the blood of the victim were symbols of grace and salvation to the sinner. We have sanctity Come on, is the devil discouraging you? Is the devil telling you you're not right? Is the devil telling you you shouldn't even be in church, let alone be a Christian? Is the devil discouraging you that what you're trying just isn't working? Well, come on, take hold of the horns of the altar. Find sanctity this morning in the presence of your God, my God, and my Savior. Just like the Levitical system in Solomon's temple, we should let Jesus be the center of our daily activity. Our prayer, only prayer through him, is acceptable. And when we turn to him, <clears throat> he delivers us when the devil makes these attacks. So church, don't listen to yourself. Listen to the Lord. Take time in the secret place. If you're discouraged, you'll only discourage yourself more talking to yourself. But go before the Lord. And you know something, when you go before the Lord, there's something that you accept as you go and you approach our altar of burnt offering, our altar of incense, what you're doing is acknowledging his sovereignty. Acknowledging his sovereignty. That's what Jesus said. Peter was talking about the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer isn't a set of words that we are to repeat all the time. Jesus wasn't saying, you say these words to the exact as I say them. What he was saying, when we pray our Father, we're acknowledging that he is in control that he is our Lord, that he is our God. And so when we come before the Lord in prayer and when we're facing discouragement and we talk to the Lord, let the Lord talk to us. You know, sometimes we come to the Lord and we all do it, don't we? And we want to tell the Lord what's wrong and how we can fix it. You know something, David didn't go before the Lord and say, Lord, this is wrong. You see, Absalom, my son, just quieting him there. And you see the, the counselors here that are complaining about everything I say or do. He didn't. He went before the Lord and he says, show me. Show me. Have we enough grace in our hearts to say, Lord, show me. Lead me. Lead me into thy presence. Take away this discouragement and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, we, we deprive ourselves so much when we don't pray. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Isn't it lovely to sing that? But you know something that's so true, isn't it? All because we do not carry everything to God in in prayer. One thing experience as a Christian has, has taught me is to get into the secret place, to spend time with God. When you don't know what, well, me personally, this is what I do. When sometimes you don't even know what to ask for or what to say, I open God's word and read it. Read the Psalms, read one of the Gospels. 
and you know something, God speaks to you through his word. And God speaks to you when you're prepared to listen. Me, like everybody else, I'm sure at times, Lord, we want this to do, we want, we want that. Do you know something? Lord, show me. And give me the grace to fulfill what it is you call me to do. Give me the strength to fulfill whatever it is you want me to do. Give me the courage, Lord, to stand if I have to stand on your word in this age that we live in. There's so much discouragement out there, church. And I mean, I've given up watching the news. It just, just totally discourages you when you see what's going on. But you know something? That's when we look to God. And again, I always say, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Wars, rumors of wars, all these things happening in the world. Look to God. Come to the altar. That's what David did. He went to the altar of his God. And God opened his mind, opened his understanding. And David, he finishes it with, I'm going to get my heart out and I'm going to praise the Lord. Amen. So we're going to get a keyboard out and Peter's going to lead us as we praise the Lord. Let's stand in his presence.